before we dream big, we have to keep it real. Hello and welcome back to the Catacomb Synod Basics series where we discuss the distinctive aspects of the Catacomb Synod, what we are doing here, and why. And a big part of today's recording is that why. Why do we exist in the first place? After all, we have discussed so many corrupt conditions in Lutheran churches. We have discussed how bad it is out there. And somebody might ask the question, why not just stay in these Lutheran bodies and reform them? Why not go to every church body and attempt to get them to change? Why not do your best to fix these church problems? After all, is it really the Christian thing to do? to separate so much? Doesn't St. Paul condemn those who divide and schism? Come on, pastor, you know better than this, right? Well, here's the problem with that. Here's from Spanner's chapter on the possibility of better conditions in the church, wherein he describes what happened with the Reformation. He sums it up. He says, in the second place, we can expect a great fall in papal Rome. Although Rome was given a decided jolt by the blessed Martin Luther, its spiritual power is still too great to permit us to claim that the prophecy in Revelation 18 and 19 has been completely fulfilled, especially when one observes with what emphatic words the fulfillment is described by the Holy Spirit in those chapters. What on earth is Spanner talking about? Well, in Revelation chapter 18, we have the description of the fall of Babylon. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living." What does this have to do with the Roman Catholic Church, you might ask? Well, strictly speaking, Babylon, infernal Babylon in Holy Scriptures, is the home for all idolatry. And in the 16th and 17th century, it was apparent that Rome was that. I am bound by my subscription to the Book of Concord to believe, teach, and confess that the papacy is the office of Antichrist. Question for you, where does Christ reside? at the right hand of the throne of God the Father Almighty, in the heavenly Jerusalem that he is preparing for us. So if Christ himself is in Jerusalem, the true and heavenly Jerusalem, the Antichrist resides in Babylon. The heavenly Jerusalem is in heaven. Babylon is on earth. And Babylon, in a spiritual and very real sense, is where Antichrist resides. Now, if you ask me, Babylon, the home of idols, the home of false religion, is expanded beyond just the Roman Catholic Church. 
Historically, Nebuchadnezzar and Nabopolassar and all the kings of Babylon collected the so-called gods of all the nations that they conquered. One was not enough. Now, certainly the chief god of the ancient Babylonians was Marduk, but they never just left well enough alone and continued to hoard idols to practice all forms of magic that they could, all sorts of divination, etc. and so forth. It never stopped at just Marduk. Babylon is the home on earth of all false religion, but chief of which was the corruption of Christianity present in the Roman Catholic Church, which persists to this day. Are there true and real Christians in the Roman Catholic Church? Absolutely. In spite of Roman Catholic doctrine, not because of it. We think of the split in Luther's mind between the Roman Church and the papacy itself. Luther said that the Roman Church is holy. They have the sacraments, they have the word of God, they have it preached, and they have the sacraments administered. There is a church there. However, there is also a parasitic entity upon it, seeding it full of false doctrine, something that is wicked and terrible. He refers to that as the papacy, as the antichrist. Remember, anti can mean in the place of and it can mean against. The Antichrist is one who tries to stand in the place of Christ while also opposing him. Sounds a lot like the guy claiming he is the vicar of Christ here on earth. Few can deny that, especially with the current papacy that we see today. But I digress. Why am I bringing up Spener, Jerusalem, Babylon, Christ and the Antichrist? What on earth is this crazy pastor trying to say? Well, let's get into it. Spanner writes concerning Rome. They got a black eye when Luther posted the 95 Theses. When the Reformation happened and the gospel was recaptured, it was rediscovered, the soli were written in stone and written on the hearts of countless Christians. People were being saved left and right rather than going on the treadmill, the hamster wheel of human works, or believing that they were saved heaven-bound because they saw a relic once and they paid a lot of money in indulgences. The gospel returned. Rome suffered a black eye. The Antichrist witnessed so many of his followers abandoning him as Christ harvested souls. But the prophecy concerning the fall of Babylon was not fulfilled yet in those years. That's what Spainer is saying. Yes, the Reformation was a wonderful thing and a great restoration for all who joined up with the Lutheran churches, the evangelical churches as they were referred to, and people were being saved left and right. This is a wonderful thing. It doesn't mean we've won. So let's get into real talk. Why are we here? What are we doing? What are the present circumstances? Spanner had a big, long chapter on the conspectus of corrupt conditions saying, here is why we are so jacked up. And he says, this is why we haven't won yet, because it's up to God and God has not fulfilled that particular prophecy yet. 
So Spanner writes his book. His plan, his actions, were to write the Pia Desideria, pass it around to all the pastors he could get his hands on, and tell them, we need to fix these things. We are doing incredibly poorly as a church right now, and we have to fix this. The problems in the political scene, the problems with the clergy, the problems with the laity. My goodness, can we even call ourselves a church at this point? His goal was to gin up people fixing things, and you might be wondering, why am I not doing that? In a word, the Reformation proved to us that corrupt church bodies do not get reformed. They don't fix themselves. Maybe they fix themselves in terms of outward appearances, and maybe a little bit here and there gets improved, as we saw with Rome removing the anathemata of Trent at the JDDJ in 1999. It is true that sometimes little things get fixed here and there, but never have I ever seen a denomination that went liberal or went apostate in some way return to faithfulness? Reformation does not happen to apostate bodies. As far as I'm aware, it just doesn't happen. It has been 500 years that the Roman Catholic Church has had the opportunity after opportunity to fix the issues and the problems in their church. While proclaiming that they are the one true church, here they are still engaged in simony with indulgences. Here they are still having that abominable cult of the saints. There are so many problems with Rome, and it has been over 500 years, and it has still not been fixed. 800, by the way, if you count the proto-reformers. So we go to Revelation chapter 2. Since we brought up Revelation, let's read what our Lord Christ says to the church in Ephesus. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me reread this loud and slow, this one verse. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. If a Christian church wishes to remain a Christian church, they repent and they turn to Christ before the lampstand is removed, before Jesus Christ himself says, you are not a church body anymore. 
if Babylon gets her tentacles into a church and they are not reforming, they are not repenting, they are not turning away from false doctrine and evil behavior, Christ will say, you're not a Christian church anymore. That is not you. Strictly speaking, there is no difference between an apostate church body and a pagan temple. There is no qualitative difference between a hyper-liberal Episcopalian church and a Hindu temple in the eyes of God. With one exception, greater wrath is stored up for the liberal atheist pastor over an Episcopalian church and his congregation than there is for the Hindu temple, because at least the Episcopalian congregation had copies of the Bible somewhere collecting dust in the pews. Spanner says in the 17th century, Babylon is not judged yet. She got a black eye when the Reformation happened, but Babylon is going to stick around. And well, it seems to me that Babylon has expanded, has changed tactics. Babylon has made the decision to get into other churches, not just the Roman church, using different tactics, different worldly moralities, different ideas to spread her poison over all denominations. And it starts with real or effective denials of the Word of God. It starts with little changes here and there to accept the morality of the 21st and 20th century and all the destruction that it waged. It starts small but then grows and grows like a cancer. I have told people before, if you have a good pastor in your local congregation, if you are LCMS or Wells or whatever, stay there. Please, by all means, I am here to support you, and I ask that you support your pastor. If he is a good, solid, orthodox Lutheran pastor, then it is great for you to support that man. He's going to need it. Because all the leadership in all of these groups, they are not going in that direction, are they? No, no, no. They like to hurl condemnation after condemnation, calling everybody they don't like an evil Nazi misogynist or whatever, and they will not change. At their convention, they will condemn worldly made-up sins dozens of times, and they will not condemn the devil even once. Their embrace of soft Marcionism, or the belief that the God of the Old Testament is a separate and evil God compared to the God of the New Testament. Their embrace of the soft antinomianism of Gerhard Förde, that is, saying that, well, you preach the law, but you don't mean it. You don't mean it when you say that we shouldn't sin, because after all, that's not our responsibility. We just need to stop trying to repent, stop trying to follow what God tells us to do. That's everywhere in the leadership. That's everywhere in at least one of their seminaries that we know of. We can observe in real time, in living memory, when this has started happening to Lutheran churches, confessional Lutheran churches. We saw it attempt to get off the ground with Seminex, but those Seminex people, I mean, a lot of them stuck around, let's face it. 
And now the tentacles are getting back in. The cancer is starting to metastasize. And for years now, people have been telling them, turn back, turn away. We don't want this. We need to be reforming ourselves to make sure that we do not become like one of the Babylonian churches. And the leadership has said, no, you're not going to tell that to me, you hateful, evil bigot. I'm going to start uh, kicking off that church discipline process against you for this slight against my most holy office. Why does the catacomb synod exist? Because we've seen this happen time and time again. Rome has had over 500 years to repent at this point. The Methodists have had a couple hundred years. The Episcopalians, over a hundred years now. The liberal Presbyterians, They've had a long time to try and repent. The liberal Lutherans that are really Lutheran in name only, they've had about 80, 90 years. And this is just counting America alone. You've got the liberal Baptists who follow after Reinhold Niebuhr, seeing him up. Oh, yep. They've had just as long, if not longer, to repent than all these other liberal groups. And guess what? News flash, spoiler alert, they haven't. Literally, none of these church bodies have listened to the cry towards repentance. None of them have made a back-to-the-Bible movement. The churches that are in there, that are listening to the word of God and following after him wholeheartedly, they end up leaving and founding their own small-o orthodox church bodies. Because all those churches that do decide we need to reform, that do decide we need to start following what Holy Scripture says, they go to the leadership in their denomination and say, we need to do this. And the denominational leadership always says, no, we will not. They make their faces like iron. They stare deep into the soul of everybody there. And with a demonic voice, they say, no. That leaves only one option for these churches, and that is schism. They didn't leave the word of God. Their leadership left the word of God. It's the same as we Lutherans say. Uh, Lutherans did not schism away from the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church left us. They left what the Bible was saying, not us. They schismed. We're just the ones making it official. So this happens every now and then. You see a church body fracture in schism with some small, tiny, little, dogmatically correct church body coming out of it. But then chaos hits. Absolute chaos. Because Babylon does not like permitting any of her property to be taken from her. So there are lawsuits. There are confiscated church buildings. There are pastors that are force-retired and replaced with system toadies. Formal schism destroys people. It has to happen. There has to be some place to go for real Christians to reside without having to hear, uh, well, the same crap you see on HR department morality worksheets or whatever. Do the struggle. Do the work. There needs to be a place for Christians to go where they don't have that. But the process of establishing them is so chaotic that it destroys souls. It shipwrecks faith. The catacomb synod is here to say, schism now and avoid the rush. And if you are in a good church, 
please amass our resources. Go on to verylutheran.biz, hoard everything, every sermon, all the liturgies, every doctrinal statement, an article we publish. Take them all, print them out, get them in the PDF. They are all free in case your church goes bad. You have somewhere to go. You have somewhere to be, and you can lead people in your congregation upon that split or hostile takeover. And you can give people a spiritual home where they receive orthodox doctrine, right word and sacrament, a proper home church. And it is so decentralized as a house church network that even if Babylon tries to get her fingers in and start corrupting the whole thing, you can just say no. You can just have a church that is not influenced this way. I have literally no power. If I die and somebody else takes over as the director of the VLP and the leader of the Catacomb Synod, if he's a bad guy and he wants to flex some sort of satanic muscle over the congregations, he cannot. Ha! Defeated before he even declared war because of our radical congregationalism. Satan can't get a foothold in the door. And because of what we are offering with house church resources for those people who are in an environment with no good churches, no free churches, just state churches, just churches beholden to Babylon, they can still have church. They can still have word and sacrament. The devil cannot use this environment to try to destroy them spiritually by having them attend one of these garbage congregations. They can be fed spiritually. And I offer training for everybody who wants to become a lay leader or deacon and they want that extra support from yours truly. Send me an email, very underscore Lutheran at tutanota.com. We're here for you. So that's the present situation that we find ourselves in with so many churches being corrupt and not seeing a point or a possibility of reforming them. We decide instead to reform ourselves and have a house church movement. Again, if you like your pastor, if he is a solid and orthodox minister, whatever denomination you belong to, great. Support him. He might not be around forever, and you might not be able to be at that congregation forever. Gather these resources at verylutheran.biz. Download every PDF. Download everything there. It is all free. I don't keep metrics of who visits what. If you do, you know that you are ready if things turn for the worse. You will be ready to schism now and avoid the rush. It'll be Fantastic to see how you can serve God and serve your neighbor being at the ready like that. Now that said, for anybody listening who wants to support the Very Lutheran Project and the Catacomb Synod that we are supporting through all these efforts, please go to verylutheran.biz. There is a link and a P.O. box if you wish to help us out financially. It really helps, especially given that I still got to keep the lights on in my place and I do this for a living. We don't make much money, but we do ask for you to prayerfully consider giving an offering so that we can continue to do this and rapidly expand, continuing to rapidly expand. We have grown massively to the point where it blows my mind. But we glorify God in this, and I am here to serve you. Now, we talked a lot 
about the situation as it is and how it has developed. Infernal Babylon, trying to corrupt all these churches, expanding outward from just to the Roman Catholic Church. However, that isn't the whole story, is it? Oh no. We believe in a great victory in Christ Jesus, and we believe that we can live in that victory, and we can dream big for powerful and positive things to happen. And we're going to start talking about that next week. We're going to be dreaming big for churches everywhere. But until then, our Lord bless you and keep you. Amen and amen.